Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Anytime you watch the news, you frequently hear the reporters asking an eyewitness to describe the scene for us. In essence, they're saying, bring us there. Bring us to that place. What did you see? What did you witness? And then, of course, the one who is being interviewed will do just that. Well, I saw a bunch of cars trying to stop, but they were sliding off the road because of all this ice. Or, I heard the sound of gunfire, and I saw people running out of the building in panic. All too often, reporters are there asking for a description of a scene of tragedy, of death, of disorder and chaos. In a shooting incident that has sadly become too common a scene, reporters were interviewing a husband and wife who just happened to to be a doctor and a nurse. The reporters asked the same question. Tell us what you saw. They, of course, described the scene of chaos, the situation. But then they also shared how they were able to start triage care for those who were wounded and how lives were ultimately saved because of their actions. It's interesting because there in the midst of that carnage, there were two individuals who were God's instruments of care and healing to those who were suffering and dying, along, of course, with the police and the responders who brought further order and care to those who were involved. As you watch the news, if you watch the news anymore, you are drawn into scenes that are often heartbreaking things to behold. If we're honest with ourselves, I think there's a sense of relief when we see something like this played out on TV, especially far away from us. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't feel empathy or compassion for those involved, but it's still distant enough away from us that we can always change the channel. We can find something else to distract us from the sights that we see there. But that is harder to do when it's close to home, or even when it's in your home. Children who grow up seeing parents constantly arguing. They see and they hear mom and dad say hurtful things to one another, and the children do not come away unscathed. They can't change the channel on that side as much as they'd want to. They're living in that scene. When you see a loved one suffering from illness, well, though they're the ones who suffer and languish, you also are wounded, are you not? How difficult it is to behold a sight like that. There is so much pain, so much sorrow, so much brokenness, so much death in this world that we behold. Sometimes it's because someone causing harm to others. Sometimes it's because of our own actions, whether intentional or unintentional. But it creates this scene of pain. 
No matter where it comes from, this has been our reality. This is what we have witnessed. This is what we have experienced in our life as far back as we can remember and as far back as the Scriptures reveal. For there we hear that one couple's actions have impacted us and all of creation so that we ultimately have no choice but to witness the effects of sin played out in our lives year to year, month to month, day to day, and even moment by moment. We need a change of scene. We are longing for, cha- for the channel to be changed on life so that we can hear and we can see some good news. And if that's you this morning, then you are in the right place. The scriptures, thankfully, reveal for us another picture. Like modern reporters, the scriptures serve to describe the scene for us, to bring us the eyewitness accounts of those who have seen God's ultimate agent of care for this creation that is so messed up by sin and death. John is one of those eyewitnesses. He was there among the the banks of the, the Jordan River. He witnessed the Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus as he was baptized. Now, like one being interviewed, he sees and he points out the one who does so much more than just change the channel in life, sweep the problem under the rug, or, or just ignore it. He looks at Jesus and says, Behold, look, ado, it is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the middle of the tragic headlines of that day, right? You have Herod's massacre of the young children. You have Rome's continuing occupation of the promised land of Israel. You have the daily effects of sin and death. John sees, and he sees the promised Messiah. He sees God's agent of care, of healing, of rescue, of salvation in the person of Jesus from Nazareth. John has beheld the Christ of God, the Lamb of God. And now he's pointing to him and he wants everyone to know. Now the scriptures tell us that John didn't recognize the significance of this at first. It's not that John didn't recognize who Jesus was. It was his cousin after all. It was his cousin after all. But John didn't by his own reason or strength first understand who Jesus was. The gospel account, to rephrase it as a modern-day newscast, maybe goes something like this. Reporters interviewing John. So, John, describe the scene for us. What did you see? John says, well, as people were coming up out of the Jordan to be baptized, I was preaching about the coming of the Messiah. And those who were were being baptized were ones who were going to come after me, who were being being follow, follow after me and I would be their rabbi. But then Jesus came, just like the rest. But when he was baptized, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven and remain on him. It was then I knew. It was an epiphany. 
Here standing in front of me is one who is greater than I. Here is one who I am not worthy to untie his sandals like a slave. Here, in fact, is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Now, by nature, right, we read that Jesus wasn't really a sight to behold. The prophet Isaiah says of him in Isaiah 53, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In fact, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. See, Jesus was not the the glamorous movie star whom everyone would recognize if you saw him walking down the street. By all physical appearances, he was just a common-looking man like anyone else. Yet that day in the region of the Jordan, John calls out to those around him, and through the scriptures as we read them today, Behold, look, pay attention. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? John is as excited to see Jesus as one might be excited to see a movie star walking the streets today. But see, here's the thing. John doesn't call Jesus a, a celebrity. He doesn't even call Jesus at first Messiah or Christ or anointed one. John first identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God. Now that's a theologically charged title. A title that's not about fame or fortune, but about sin and about death. Right? Remember the lambs throughout the Old Testament. A lamb was used for making atonement for sin whereby the guilty one would place their hands upon the head of the animal as payment for their sin. The lamb would suffer and die in place of the guilty one. The lamb's life would be given in place of the sinner. The lamb was also the animal of God's choice for the Passover, where its blood was placed on the door frames and the lintels of those who celebrated the Passover meal and it was for the rescue and for the redemption of Israel. And again, to be called Lamb of God, further identified Jesus as the sacrifice that God himself would provide. Like the lamb that was in the bush provided to Abraham when he was about to offer his son, Isaac. It's all a fulfillment of God's promise to Adam and Eve, who brought sin and death into the world in the first place. See, while, while John calls out Jesus as one today might call out a movie star, the reason behind it is far different. For in John's proclamation, Jesus is marked for death. A death whereby he stands in place of sinners as our substitute a death where his blood would be shed for sinners so that eternal death would pass over us. A death whereby our sin would be placed on him and he would pay the penalty for our actions. The death of the Lamb of God 
is God's solution to the problem of our sin. See, that scene changes everything. Through it, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the good news in the midst of all of this time of chaos and sin in all of God's creation. For while we still see and behold and experience sin and death in this world, we also see and behold the Lamb of God in our daily lives, even here today in this place. As we hear the eyewitness accounts of Jesus who was baptized for us, who bore our sin to the cross so that we might be forgiven. Behold, the Lamb of God whose blood was shed for you so that you might be forgiven. Jesus is your substitute. His blood was shed for you so that eternal death should pass over you. It is his body and his blood that we eat and drink at the sacrament of the altar. It is his death and his resurrection that we are joined to in the sacrament of holy baptism. For he is the fulfillment of the promise to Adam and Eve and to the whole of creation so that by his work you might be saved. So when you gather in this place to hear and believe this witness of the Holy Scripture and to to receive his sacraments, you are witnessing, you are beholding, you are experiencing the Lamb of God for you. So that then when you leave this place, you, like John, would point to Jesus as the one in whom forgiveness, life, and salvation is is found. So you're not simply a witness to the chaos and the carnage of the world around us. You are an instrument of care and order in this world, like that doctor and that nurse at the scene of the shooting. So now when you're gathered around the water cooler at work and you're talking about the latest headlines of the day and it's all doom and gloom, you can point to Jesus and effectively say, Behold, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. When your classmates are worried about their safety and they're struggling with the challenges of being a teenager in this world, you have opportunity to share your hope in Jesus, the Lamb of God. When you see our brothers and sisters in Christ suffer because of loss and personal tragedy, you have the joy of walking beside them and ever and always pointing to the Lamb. When any of us are burdened by the weight of our own sin, we may turn to a fellow family member of faith or or to your pastors so that your eyes may be ever drawn to the cross and to look at the Lamb of God and to be assured that His blood was shed for your forgiveness. The good news is, brothers and sisters in Christ, that this good news will be proclaimed until the day when our Lord and Savior Jesus comes again. His church is that light. His church, His people, are those witnesses pointing to the Lamb. And someday sooner, I pray rather than later, 
we will see with our own eyes the Lamb who was slain, but who has begun his reign. That's what we're looking forward to. That's where our hope is found. The day when we will not see the Lamb of God by faith and and through word and sacrament, but with our own eyes, in our risen and our glorified bodies. On that day, the work that God has begun in our baptism will be complete. And from that day on, we will no longer witness the chaos of this creation. We will not experience our own sin. We will not see death. We will not shed tears. But we will simply see the Lamb who lives and reigns forever and ever. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.